Hey fans, thank you for tuning in to this replay of Twitter Spaces USA Rugby Happy Hour Live. This is the second half of the show. If you haven't done so already, be sure to check out the first half with our amazing guest. You can do that and listen to previous shows here on the USA Rugby Happy Hour Live podcast on your favorite podcast player. Also, special thanks to our sponsor, Myoderm. They help make this show possible. Myoderm is the leader in CBD products. Receive 20% off your order with the discount code EAGLES at myoderm.com. That's M-Y-A-D-E-R-M.com. Now, on to our next guest. All right, hey guys, thank you everybody for listening in so far. we still got uh, a little while to go here with uh, this show. We have another great guest. and Actually, we're going to get right to him. Um, we're going to ask him about his hairstyle, maybe. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see what goes on. But uh, our next guest has a ton on his plate right now. Let, let's just say it's it's been a busy couple of weeks for him. Uh, let's all welcome the executive director of the U.S. Rugby Players Association, Michael Young. Michael, how are you? Hey, Bill, John. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Right, thank you so much for being here. It's quite the busy time for you. It's It's been a little hectic, uh, to say the least, but, um, you know, it's work that I'm proud to do, and uh, I think it's important, uh, you know, that uh, that players really feel like they have a voice and uh, the ability to effectuate change um, anywhere that they're playing. So so let's, let's just talk generally about the USRPA. You know, can you just uh, – and then we'll get into the more recent MLR news later uh, or no, soon, actually. But, you know, talk about the organization. You know, what is its role with the MLR, the uh, Major League Rugby players, and generally speaking, the purpose of the association as well? Yeah, so I guess just generally speaking here, um, we are an independent player-led organization, um, and we are designed to act exclusively for our members' best interest, and that would be – know, for the promotion of player welfare standards and um, around improving, you know, the terms and conditions under which uh, all of them play the game. So that's kind of the representational side of the coin, um, a kind of a more aspirational area that we're, we're diving into and, and kind of seeking best practice from some of our international partners is on the player development side of things. Uh, you know, how can we support our players off the pitch? Um, you know, educational and training opportunities for when they hang their boots up, mm. uh, you know, things of that nature. So, um, you know, uh, we've got to crawl before we can uh, walk, I suppose. But, you know, that's another area where we're very keen to, uh, you know, start helping our players uh, outside of the, uh, you know, traditional labor union representational side of things. And looking at the players, obviously, we just had Steven on, who's a player rep. Um, you know, what role do the men and women athletes play in the leadership of the organization? Yeah. So, you know, we're probably kind of in a transition period uh, right now that we've got to kind of circle the wagons and, and figure out how we um, change some of those governance structures now that we have uh, increased our membership. But um, as it stands for our national team players, um, you know, uh, players lead the whole operation. Uh, they vote and select uh, player representatives to represent their individual teams. And then those players sit on a board of player representatives. Um, that's the chief governing body for the Players Association. Um, and then kind of uh, as an at-large position, um, you know, we've got uh, Nick Chavetta, who's, who's taken in that role. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of uh, where I get my marching orders from uh, when it comes to national team operations. And uh, I think... You know, eventually the plan will be that we have a, a similar sort of setup outside of kind of interim player leadership uh, for the MLR players, um, you know, with, with representatives uh, from each of those clubs as well. 
And, and what's the uh, relationship like right now with MLR and USRPA? I mean, do they officially recognize you as an official bargaining unit for the players? So, so in a word, no. Um, so as far as a relationship goes, there really is none at this point, um, which is kind of, you know, where we've been um, having some of these issues. Um, you know, it's been difficult to have these sorts of conversations uh, because uh, effectively the door has been closed to have them. Uh, and so that's where players have uh, really uh, expressed their frustration is just, you know, wanting to be involved in those conversations wanting to have a seat at the table um, and, you know, really be able to drive change and, and uh, put their views out there um, as opposed to just kind of uh, receiving information from the league, really make it kind of a bilateral relationship. So, Michael, yeah, let's 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 kind of move into that MLR expansion and the dispersal draft process, which um, I believe is taking place tomorrow. And I guess, for you know, there's been some some leaks here and there, and I think some fans are trying to sniff out what what is going on. But you know, can can you provide us a little context on maybe some of the issues surrounding the expansion and, and dispersal draft? Maybe expand upon some of the statements you guys put out in the last week or so. Yeah. So you know, I I guess um, if anyone out there hasn't you know, heard the uh, the bombshell news that came out earlier this year from from uh, Major League Rugby about uh, two of the teams um, essentially uh, folding, for lack of a better term, uh, out in Austin and, and L.A. Um, what happened since then has kind of been a source of frustration for many of the players um, and, and not just even the players at um, those two franchises, but, um, uh, you know, across the league because, you know, it could have been anyone. Um, you know, these, these players, uh, could be on any team and, 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 uh, you know, that that's sometimes outside of their control as far as placement uh, goes, but, um, it's, it's been a, a tricky issue because, um, they haven't received much information uh, at one point, then they were blocked from seeking transfers or trying to secure uh, employment through another team with an MLR. Uh, and they've just kind of really been left in the dark until they received a notice of, you know, this upcoming draft for dispersing them into, you know, another team that, that exists within the league. And for this dispersal draft, I guess do the the players do they have the option to say they get you know drafted for lack of a better phrase drafted by Chicago? Do they have the option to to turn it down and, and potentially seek employment with another MLR club or so my kind of up in here? My understanding um, from the information I've received from players is that if they um, are drafted by a club uh, and they don't come to terms with that club that they are essentially blocked out from participating in the league, at least until the halfway point of next season, uh, which would be pretty tricky for anyone to jump in at that point, unless there was, you know, injury cover needed in their specific position since the rosters would all be set at that point. Gotcha. And you may have actually answered this question a little bit earlier, but you mentioned the dialogue with 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 MLR, and I'm assuming that would be the the owners. There hasn't been much, at least around represent or around USRPA as the representative of MLR players. But have there been any? Is there any been any progress around or conversations with MLR around this draft process, or has that been not really the case? No. So. Um... 
I guess I should just kind of explain, you know, uh, so the existence of the union is determined by the players, you know, whether they want to form and join one, which they have. Um, and so, you know, that that exists. What what we don't have here is the second step of the puzzle that actually initiates a, you know, collective bargaining relationship between the two parties. Uh, and that can come in one of two ways. One is through voluntary recognition, uh, which is what we have sought from Major League Rugby, uh, you know, our hope was to kind of do this amicably and, you know, just kind of uh, um, get to work essentially with without having to go through, um, you know, much more of a, a legal process that, that you know, uh, can otherwise unfold, uh, which is the second way of going around uh, getting that collective bargaining relationship, which would be to uh, petition the National Labor Relations Board for an election. Uh, where players would vote uh, to join the union, and that would be a secret ballot election that the board would conduct, uh, at which point if if uh, a majority of the players did select it, uh, we would be certified as a collective bargaining agent for the players. Now, the hiccup in why we haven't gone that route uh, is because there are some, some tricky international jurisdictional questions with a team up in Canada. And so, you know, I've, I've been in touch with a lot of counterparts from other players associations because certainly uh, the North American sports landscape is is uh, it's it's not new for you know major league rugby to be crossing the border in other words uh, it's certainly done in in the other existing sports that are out there but um, the law is is pretty murky on how it works if we have to go through the board so uh, I think you know it's the players hope that we can avoid a lot of those sorts of headaches um, that that might otherwise unfold and and do this uh, you know out, outside of uh, uh, spending extra time and money and, and resources uh, going that route. Yeah, uh, Michael, it's, it's. I feel like I have to ask this question. Answer that. I'm sorry, I can't talk. I feel like I have to ask this question. You know, knowing I, I know what the answer is as well. But um, you know, why is this different from any, any other league here in the United States? I mean, this happens in other leagues, and it doesn't seem to be a problem. I mean, why is it a problem for the players to move to a new team? So are, you're going back to the dispersal draft question here. Is yeah, that yeah. my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's not that um I you know we're, we're trying to prevent them from going to another team. It's right. that they are essentially being locked into dealing with one team only uh at the expense of shopping around for, you know, improved terms that they might be able to otherwise find a better fit. Um you know, there may be a club out there that wants them, but uh, they're not able to speak with them because they're stuck with the team that, you know, got an earlier draft pick. Uh, so, you know, it, it certainly exists in other sports. Um, I think one of the biggest differences here is just the amount of money that's involved here. Um, yeah. You know, we're we're not even anywhere close to the minimum salaries at a lot of these other professional organizations where that is the practice. Um but I think the other issue that, you know, we don't want to overlook here is that all the other draft processes across the North American sports landscape are a product of the collective bargaining uh, process itself. So in other words, uh, the players sat down with the ownership groups and reached terms on how that would unfold uh, and set minimums, you know, for salaries, uh, the way the draft process, you know, goes and and, and all of those details. And uh, the difference here is that this was just something thrown at the players very hastily uh, without much of a chance to, to really sit and consider it or uh, have any, you know, back and forth about how it would actually operate. 
Right. Okay. I understand. All right. Hey, fans, listeners, uh, again, if you'd like to come up and ask a question, please do so. You can, you can request in the bottom left. Again, we'd love to have you guys ask these questions that uh, Fitzy and I are asking as well, but uh, you'll have your own uh, um, taste of your own questions as well. Come on up. And speaking of, we do have Coach Red. Hey, Coach. Hey, how are y'all doing? I, he answered a lot of my collective bargaining questions right there. That was my first main question. Uh, so I, I'm surprised that from the get-go of the league, considering how other leagues work, that there wasn't a collective bargaining agreement to begin with. Um, But with that in mind, I found it really odd how they're actually doing this draft. Normally, when you have expansion team or teams, they just deal with, you know, each team has to let, you know, a couple of players be available to be drafted and the way that they have this set up it's a dispersal draft for la and austin but also um an expansion draft and it seemed really odd for me for and maybe they you know y'all can expound on this but not only is each team having to make players available for the expansion draft but there's also the dispersal draft interwound and it's it's a really odd way to basically conduct two drafts at the same time yeah it it certainly is unique uh for the combination aspect that you're addressing there um because it's it's really two different problems uh that they're trying to um you know put in into one you know draft collectively there and i suppose it's probably for uh resources and expediency that they're having it in, in one go around rather than two but um you know i I think, you know, again, you know, it's not that we're opposed to, you know, reallocating players to different teams and and certainly needs arise where where that occurs. Um, I think the the bigger point about, you know, players having issue with this is just that, you know, it's been dropped on them very close to when it actually occurs um, and just kind of, you know, wanting to have that that dialogue uh, leading into these sorts of things so that they have a say in how they're actually done. Thanks, Coach. Uh, another fan question for you that was texted to me a little while ago, um, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk a little more about the, the, the draft and all that stuff too, but he, he asked, um, since there's no restriction on players being able to negotiate sponsorship deals to supplement their salaries, um, why has the USRPA not put more effort into acting as agents to help negotiate and secure those types of deals? So I guess there are a couple of parts of that question that I would want to respond to. Um, So first, the way I understand it, at least, um, and again, you know, I don't have a direct relationship, nor does the Players Association with MLR. But from what I understand of the player contracts, they at least purport to control the the, uh, image rights of players um, in, in a commercial sense. So again it's my understanding that they don't have that ability uh by and large now i don't know whether that's been acted on or not but uh that's at least what the contract uh purports to put out there from from major league rugby uh secondly um the players association 
doesn't really have a role the same way an agent would on an individual basis who represents a player. So, um, you know, outside of the sporting context, um, you know, unions typically set kind of, uh, you know, across the board wage rates and tables, you know, if someone's got different experience levels, uh, you know, that that it might fall under a different uh, level on on the chart and, and whatnot. But uh, usually in sports, um, uh, the, the players unions have taken a slightly different route where they kind of set the floor uh, and then put parameters around how uh, payer uh, play, uh, excuse me, player payments uh, work. So rather than being all encompassing, that leaves rooms for individual agents to negotiate, um, you know, improved uh, rates for an individual player. So that's kind of, you know, the role of an agent uh, in that respect. And and then they would also, you know, work on that player's behalf to seek individual endorsement and sponsorship deals. Um, what we do as a players association and what we have in operation um, for our national team players is what's called a group licensing program. And uh, we are a part of a broader licensing entity, uh, along with Major League Baseball players, uh, the National Football Players Association, uh, the NWSLPA, uh, the Women's um, National Soccer Team Players Association, and I believe the WNBA Players Association. I may be missing one other, but off the top of my head, um, that's kind of who we've thrown our lot in with a group called One Team Partners. And they do... um, the licensing work on our behalf. So, you know, one example of that would have been uh, the Rugby 20 video game that featured, you know, the the uh, images and, and likenesses, you know, name and numbers for um, our players out of the uh, 2019, you know, Rugby World Cup for the men's 15s uh, in Japan. Uh, and we've got a few different things, hopefully on tap that we'll be looking to improve those on. But um, what, what a group licensing program is, and I'm sorry if I'm droning on here for a lot of you guys but uh what a group licensing program is uh it leaves open the the place for individual deals for players uh but once a licensee you know whether it's trading cards or apparel uh this or that um uses a certain number of image rights from the players association they then have to deal with the players association uh in a collective sense to get a license to be able to use you know that amount uh we currently have it's set at four or more players uh, where the group licensing rights are triggered at that point. So um, I know that was a long end around uh, probably convoluted response there. And and I apologize if anyone needs me to kind of pack that out a little bit more, but um, I guess that, that would be my, my response to that, that question. Hey, so I got something else for you, uh, Michael, you know, I, I've, I've heard, or, or I, I, I read that, um, you know, if, if a player doesn't reach an agreement, you know, with this uh, upcoming um, um, the draft, if a player doesn't reach an agreement by what ten days post draft, they can sign with another team of their choice. With the drafting team receiving a small cap consideration, do you know anything about that? Uh, so I understand that there may have been some late changes to the draft uh, process. I really haven't had a chance to go through those documents and, and look through what uh, information players have have kind of uh, you know started uh, passing out, but. Um, you know, I guess it just the the tricky part about it all is, you know, especially if we're talking about an associate player uh, contract, um, 
and they're being offered up by their club, you know, into the expansion process. Um, you know, uh, you've got to kind of read between the lines and figure that they're essentially not being asked back to their club at that point, or, you know, um, that they'd be kind of outside of, uh, of the plans going forward for the season and they're left in a lurch to try to find a new spot. Um, you know, and, and, they're not exactly in a situation where um, they may have the financial means to, to move across the country um, at, you know, the, the rates that they're getting through Major League Rugby uh, and are beholden to, you know, often uh, outside employment uh, in order to really make a go of it. So, um you know, just because they're not necessarily locked into that doesn't mean they're not put in a lurch by just going through the process and all the turmoil that's involved. Michael, last uh, last MLR question here, um, especially with sure. the with the Rugby World Cup hosting duties, you know, on the horizon here. How does how does MLR and the USRPA work together or work better together for the benefit of the players in the league? Yeah, so I mean, I want to be very clear here too that I'm not trying to vilify uh, Major League Rugby. Um, you know, they provide a, an opportunity for, for a large number of players to, to play at a higher level here in the United States. And, and that ultimately feeds in and improves the performance of our national team. Uh, and, and ultimately, you know, I and, and, and the players that are part of our organization are supportive of any efforts, you know, to bring a higher level and professional rugby into the United States. Um, you know, they just want to have a, uh, a voice in that process and make sure that, you know, uh, for as much as it's thrown about, you know, growing the game, uh, that players are always central to that purpose. Um, and so that's really what we're we're getting at here. You know, I'm not driving at any sort of animosity with the league. Um, you know, it's just players are realizing that in professional structures, um, you know, outside of the collective bargaining process, uh, it's it's kind of left to a whim. You know, they may have a good setup where it is now, but um, as personnel changes and 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 you know, without a contract, nothing is guaranteed, in other words. And so uh, they're just kind of looking for that that sense of security and, and partnership, really, uh, in the process going forward here. Good stuff, Michael. Let's, let's move over to uh, Rugby World Cup 2021. So you mentioned earlier the USRPA represents um, the national team, men and women, 7s and 15s. Um, yeah, the USA Women's Eagles you know, had a good, strong showing in New Zealand. What kind of support does USRPA, um, you know, how do they support the players um, when they, I guess they're overseas at a, at a tournament or an event like that? Yeah, so the player representatives, you know, are are really kind of the ones that players can go to if if issues have arisen, um, and you're kind of the mouthpiece to 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 see if problems have come up that we can help address. So, um, you know, it could be something from you know a problem with food or accommodations, um, and just kind of raising those through the right channels to make sure that that everyone's aware of them. Um, so, I mean, it can be little things like that. It, it can be, um, you know, if if uh, yeah, I mean that that's kind of really the the gist of it because uh the 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 terms that players are going over have you know already been taken care of before they get there but once they're there you know we're really talking about more of uh of welfare sort of things but um you know by and large um you know it's it's usually a pretty good uh pretty good setup once once they're over there um you know having taken care of most of the details uh, beforehand so uh, uh, two more for you, um, uh, Michael, we'll let you go. Um, have you had any communication with the um, uh, the players in Dubai right now? I know we have five MLR players back at home and in that squad. Obviously, it's tough time for them, uh, you know, concentrating on the on the qualifications and then have this in the back of their mind. Any communication with those guys? 
Yes, uh, I absolutely have been in, in connection with the guys out in Dubai. Um, and, and yeah, you know, I, I try not to put too much on their plate, uh, certainly with, with all the stresses they've got just uh, with test rugby on its own level. But, um, you know, certainly I, I, they felt uh, it important enough to be involved in, in some of these other discussions about MLR um, since they are, um, you know, some of the first level um players being affected by uh what's going on right now but um yeah you know i think we just try to take as much off their plate as we can especially while they're in camp and, and during the qualification process all right and finally extremely tough question for you um did you ever play <laughs> uh, yes uh, <laughs> uh no one's gonna want to sign me to the contract but i'll put it that way but um I, i'd say i was washed up but i think i would have had to have been better for that to even apply um but if anything i guess at best i was probably a mediocre fullback here <laughs> oh well you probably can still walk straight your knees are probably good so it, you're better off <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough well, Michael Young, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, a wealth of information for us. There's so much we don't know on this side of things. Uh, and I really do appreciate you coming on here and sharing with us. No, happy to be on and, and really share the player's story here. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's it's not something where, um, you know, we're trying to be at anyone's throat. But, um, you know, we've unfortunately just kind of been put in an awkward situation where um, we haven't had the chance to have, you know, meaningful conversations on behalf of the players. And, and that's really all they're looking for at this point. And we all, we all hope the best for everybody. We hope the best for MLR, the players, the team, Chicago, everyone else, of course. Uh, thanks again, Michael. We'll hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks again. All right, cheers. Uh, guys, thank you all for tuning in and listening tonight. We had two great guests, and hopefully you have some good information for you to share with your friends as well. It's been a great time, and I'm going to leave it at that. So for John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning and myself of Eagles Overseas, Bill Baker, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again, I believe, next Wednesday night. Um, looking forward to talking to you guys then. Uh, go USA this weekend, and go whatever else you like watching on Rugby of the Weekend. Have a great weekend and a great week. Good night, everybody. Hey fans, thank you for tuning in to this replay of Twitter Spaces USA Rugby Happy Hour Live. Special thanks to our sponsor, Myoderm. They help make this show possible. Myoderm is the leader in CBD products. Receive 20% off your order with the discount code EAGLES at myoderm.com. That's M-Y-A-D-E-R-M.com. Now, go check out the other shows.